there's our roll in for this series. You know, in January, we asked the question, what's wrong with me? <laughs> what's wrong with me? Why don't I love Jesus more? And here's where we landed with that series. I, I don't know. Um, here's the thing. If we are not following the real Jesus, who he is, the real Jesus, then I promise you this, that relationship that we have, whatever it is, it's not going to work out. And so this is where we're going for the entire year of 2023. And we set that up during the five weeks of January. We want to go to the place where we are following the real Jesus, who he tells us that he is, not someone else, not, not what someone else has said who he is. We, we want to find out what does he say in scripture about himself? We want to follow that Jesus, and we want to know him more and more and more. And we said in January that if we do know this Jesus more and more and more, then we will, in turn, love him more and more and more. So this morning, February 5th, the first Sunday in February, we are beginning that journey today, our 2023 journey. It all starts right now. Now, let me tell you a little bit about myself. Um, for me in my life, truth became so important to me, being told the truth. And really, that became so important because I was lied to so, so many times, and that trust was broken. I was lied to by the same person over and over and over and over and over again. And I honestly thought, am I ever going to be able to trust this person? Am I ever? But there was a problem, see? I, I honestly thought, I'm not sure I can ever trust them ever again. I was lied to so much. But here's why that was a problem. Because I was in a relationship with that person. I have to trust them, don't I? I mean, I wanted to trust them. I needed to trust them. I actually craved it. I craved the ability to trust that person. But at the same time, I was disappointed over and over and over and over again. Now, why is that a problem? This probably goes without saying. The foundation for all relationships is trust. That's the foundation. See, it, ladies, if you can't trust him, you can't have a healthy relationship with him. Guys, if you can't trust her, it's not going to work. Eventually, it is going to fail. And see, this is not a Christian thing. This is not a religious thing. This is just a human reality, a human thing. We all want it, trust. We all need it, trust. And for a relationship to work in the long term, over the long haul, you have to have it. There are no exceptions. And it's especially important for the people that are close to us. You know, we think about the government, being able to trust the government. Eh, not so much. Not as important. They're not really all that close to me. But a spouse, a best friend, a boss, a parent, a child. Yes, trust is actually required. We want them to trust us, and we must also, at the same time, be able to trust them. Because if not, that relationship is not going to work over the long haul. 
And you already know this, right? See, trust is a short word, but it can take a long time to build. It's this little bitty word, but it can take some great big experiences with another person to gain. It's so easy to spell, but it's so complicated to understand. So with all of that in mind, I think we can accurately make this next statement. If trust is the foundation for all relationships that actually work, then it has to be present in the most important relationship of our lives, our relationship with God, with Jesus. So we have to get there. We have to get to the point where we can trust Jesus. We have to figure out, how can I trust God? Because it is imperative for us to have a lasting relationship with Him that we get to the place where we actually trust Him. So, enter the power of a metaphor. A metaphor is really so useful because it can be uh, connected to something that we do not understand all that well, and it connects that with something we do understand more. We understand it better. And we use metaphors, similes, we use these all the time in everyday life. We say things like, He's as dumb as a rock. <laughs> we say things like, my kids are a bunch of pigs. We say that all the time. We say, life is a highway. <laughs> I wish I could sing that for you. I shan't. Life is a highway. And here's maybe perhaps the most famous metaphor of the late 1900s. Life is like a box of, exactly, chocolates. Metaphors help us understand life better. Now, here's the problem. We can only take our metaphors that we use, we can only take them so far before they break down. Ah, but Jesus, oh. Because Jesus had a perfect mastery of language and words and communication, we actually can take his metaphors, and he often used metaphors. So not like our metaphors, we can take his metaphors and we can kind of drill down a bit more and understand them a bit more to get the finer details of what that means. And this year, you know, we're going to look at many of those metaphors. And it's going to help us, I believe, understand the real Jesus. Now, one of his favorites, because um, he used it so often, it must have been him as a shepherd and us as a sheep. But, as we drill down into uh, the life of us as sheep, yikes. I mean, it gets a little humiliating quickly. Sheep are feel fearful. Sheep are timid. They are panicky. They are vulnerable to predators and to pests. They often pursue food and water um, without really thinking about the environment around them, so they go into very dangerous places without thinking about it. They get into big trouble because, you know, nature is scary like that. They are stubborn. You may not have known this. Sheep, they can't get back up if they happen to land or lay on their backs. I had no idea. Look it up. It's true. They can't get up if they're on their back. They're pretty vulnerable. 
Sheep are jealous. They're kind of competitive to be top sheep. They hate getting clean, kind of like a middle schooler. They uh, hate being sheared. (laughs) They get stuck in ruts of habits. Sheep are needy. And that majestic animal is the one most often used by Jesus as an analogy for me and for you. Wow, that's pretty hard to take. I mean, because come on, we have such a high opinion of ourselves, right? We don't want to be like a sheep. That's, that's embarrassing. Maybe, maybe even insulting. So, that makes us a little sheepish about being compared to sheep. But full disclosure, I want to be honest. It's kind of true though, isn't it? Right? I mean, can't we kind of see ourselves in some of those descriptions of sheep? Or maybe I'm the only one? Surely not. But when Jesus describes us as sheep, he's not using it as a put down or a way to demean us. No, 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 not at all. It comes from a place of care. I want to read something to you. Here here is an observation that Matthew made about Jesus. Uh, Matthew said in Matthew 9, 36, when he, that's Jesus, saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. That's love. That's care. Why did he have this? Because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. That is why Jesus looked at the crowd gathered around him and, and he knew They needed his help. They were sick. They were lame. They were living under Roman rule, so it was harsh. They were trapped under oral traditions, which added to God's law a heavy weight that God never added, but they did themselves. And now Jesus saw how helpless they were. He could see that they were feeling and sensing no way out. Life was not making sense for them. The things were were not looking like they were going to ever turn out how they had hoped they would. But Jesus didn't leave the metaphor there with them being helpless and hopeless. He actually goes on in the New Covenant and describes himself here even now as this compassionate, loving shepherd. And we're going to see that because in a moment we're going to go to John 10 in just a moment. But in John 10, here's how he describes that he is this shepherd, compassionate, loving, who literally loves us to death, his death. And Jesus in John 10 describes himself as the gate for the sheep. And he describes how he would gather his sheep into this sheep pen at night and that he himself would would then stretch himself across the opening and he would be the gate that would keep the sheep in, keep the predators out. Then Jesus goes on to explain in more detail, after he explains what I just explained, he goes on in verse 11, and here's what he says. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand, they're just going to run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep, because they don't belong to him, and he isn't their shepherd. And so, here's the wolf. It attacks them and scatters the flock. 
The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and he doesn't really care about the sheep. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. I'm not like a hired hand. See, the hired hand has nothing at stake. The hired hand is just in it for what he can get out of it. And Jesus says, nope, 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 that's not me. So this shepherd metaphor he's using, he's saying, I, Jesus, I am willing to lay my life down for my sheep. And you know what? Later, the disciples, they don't really understand what Jesus is meaning by that when he says that. But later on, they're going to come to understand that that's not just flowery language. No, 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 no. That he really is truly going to protect them by laying his life down as the gate to keep his sheep from the evil predator. He's going to do it with his own body. And they didn't really get it in that moment when he said that, but they later came to understand the truth of that statement. So Jesus goes on in the next verse. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me just as my father knows me and I know the father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. Jesus is saying that shepherd that I'm describing right there, as I talk about it, he's saying that shepherd that is describing me who sacrifices his life for his sheep by laying down his life. So don't miss this. Listen to this. This shepherd can be trusted. Ah, there's that word again. There's that word that matters. Trust. Please don't miss, miss this. Jesus is not saying that we don't need him. He's not saying that we need some kind of uh, better method to fight the predators. He's not saying we need to be taught more in how to do battle with the predators. Not in this metaphor, he's not. He's not saying, I'm, I'm going to now give you a seminar on how to do battle with the predators that are coming after you. You know how exhausting that would be? If that were up to us? No, he's not saying we need deeper strategy of fighting the predator. He's saying we need a deeper trust and, and deeper obedience to our shepherd. That's what he's saying. We need to be in a deeper state of trust with the shepherd who is going to care for us, who's going to fight for us, who's going to protect us, who's going to rescue us, who is going to run into the middle of danger and grasp us and save our lives. We need a deeper relationship with the shepherd. And after all, he proved it by dying for us. Now this is amazing. In a world where we struggle with identity of ourselves, in a world where we struggle to fit in. Listen to this. We fit perfectly 
and our shepherd's pen, and he wants us. He actually wants us. The shepherd looks at us with love, with a heart that's filled with compassion. And let's be honest, he knows, this shepherd knows that we have a horrible track record of trying to shepherd ourselves. You might say that we're really bad at it. I'm so glad that you have eighth grade humor like I do. But we still keep trying to shepherd ourselves even though we're so bad at it. We still keep trying. Why? Why do we keep trying to shepherd ourselves when we're so bad at it? Here's the answer. Because ultimately, we don't trust Him. We don't trust that He alone will make us happy. We don't trust that He alone will take care of our needs. At least not the way we want them to be taken care of. So we shepherd ourselves. Why don't we trust Him? I think at the root of that, it's because we have a shallow understanding, an inaccurate understanding of Jesus, His heart, and His motive. You see, our perspective of Jesus is kind of skewed and warped by this broken, sinful world where no one around us, in our estimation, can totally be trusted. See, when it comes to trust, it's not the words that somebody uses. No, it's not really their words. It's, it's, that's not what impacts us so deeply. It's really the core of their personality. It's that part of them that makes them, well, them. That's, that's what it is. And so that core of what makes them them, that is what impacts us. We don't really listen to all of their words, not as much as we look at everything they do and why they do it. And the way we experience that other person, the core of someone, of who they are deep inside, the way we experience that is either going to make us anxious or it's going to make us calm. It's either going to inspire us or it's going to make us be cautious about them. Or it's going to invite us into a deeper relationship or it's going to repel us away. And the words don't do too much to change the way we feel about that because we're looking at the real them. Now, let's go back to the sheep metaphor. Sheep won't follow what they don't trust. If a sheep senses fear or weakness or worry in their shepherd, they're not going to trust that shepherd. They're going to be sheepish. But when they can see strength and they can see calm, they can see a relaxed firmness, they're going to come close and they're going to follow that shepherd. And, you know, we're sheepish like that too. See, we can't predict the future. We just can't. We can't predict someone's choices that they're going to make. We can't. We cannot predict um, 
any of that. But here's what we can predict. We can predict the place from which those choices and decisions come from. We can predict and anticipate their heart because we've seen and been around the real them. See, we can get a pretty accurate description of what might be coming from them because we know their heart. But here's the big point. If we're going to trust the shepherd, as Jesus calls himself, our shepherd, then we have to get a better understanding of the heart of Jesus. And that's why Cole and I, we can't just offer you tips on living the Christian life. Tricks or techniques or shortcuts or best practices of following Jesus. That's that's not going to really cut it. Because we're going to talk you into then at that point doing something that you will do for maybe a short while, but that's it. But if Cole and I can point you in the direction of getting so close to Jesus that you can sense, feel his heart, then your life will change because you'll begin to trust him more and more. You see, what breaks through with the person in your life is their presence. We started uh, Stuttgart Harvest Church and we launched it in 2010. And as we launched this church, um, I gathered around me three accountability partners at that time. Three accountability partners, three men who would hold me accountable in my following and pursuing Jesus and in my partnering to lead this church. Three accountability partners. Now, they didn't know much about me. That's for sure. I didn't know much about them. It went both ways. It truly was the beginning of a relationship. 2010. Now fast forward just a little more than a year later, the wheels of my life came off. I arrived home from work one day to a note on my counter, and the note said this. That's all it said. Oh, I, actually, I can't remember, but I know it said this. I don't want to be the wife of a pastor anymore. In that moment, my life changed. I was devastated. I was utterly alone. My world as I had known it was turned upside down. And I don't know what I did next, but somehow it involved, uh, it involved doing the only thing I knew to do, which was dropping my life to my knees. And somehow I reached out to these three men. I don't know how I did it. They might remember. I don't. But I reached out to them. And within minutes. They were all sitting. In my living room. With me. 
within minutes. As best as my mind remembers, we were all just silent. Tears streaming down my face and out of my life. And even to this day, actually, I I really, to this day, I have no idea what was said in that room. I remember nothing about the words, if any words at all, much of all were spoken. I have no memory at all. But here's what I remember. I remember them showing up. I remember their hearts. I remember the core of who they were then and who they still are today. And I remember them being there in my living room, life on life, present with me, soul on soul. You see, they didn't have to show up. They could have said, see ya, wouldn't want to be ya. And just said it real nice with religious lingo. They could have. They had every right to, honestly. But they didn't. They showed up. They were there. We had only known each other for just a matter of months. They showed up. And as they were there, I'll tell you this. Looking back, I did not need their words. That may be why I don't remember any words. I didn't need their words. I needed them. They were the message. They were the message. I did not need words to be spoken. Uh, You see, their lives, their actions, they spoke all the words that needed to be spoken to me in that moment. And I hope you're getting what I'm trying to so awkwardly say. I could trust them because I experienced their hearts in that moment, face to face, heart to heart, life on life, soul to soul. I saw their heart. They showed up, even though they didn't have to. And to this day, I still completely trust them. My friends, 2,000 years ago, Jesus showed up when he didn't have to. He showed up as a baby and he grew and became a man. He showed up in flesh and blood and he laid his life down at the gate of his sheep pen. Just as he promised that he would do. And he did it to save me, to save you, to protect me, to protect you. He showed up. Showed up. So now I can trust him. Some of you may be sitting here this morning and pushing back with everything that is inside of you because of your experience in this life. 
And you might be saying, Harley, why should I trust Jesus? You might be thinking, my life is a mess. Things in my life are not better. They're unraveling. I am hurting. I am still crying about it. I am alone in this. There's nothing, you might say, in my experience that tells me that I can trust anyone. My friend. My dear friend. He showed up. And I believe that he earned our trust by dying for us. That's truly why I believe. But I know this, I'm not naive. I know the type of relationship that I'm talking about and that we're going to be describing in this series and really for the next year. This doesn't happen. This type of relationship with Jesus doesn't happen overnight. So I want you to consider something that the Apostle John wrote. I love this, and I'm going to give you a, uh, a paraphrase of this out of the message. Listen to how he's paraphrased this verse. John 1.14, paraphrase. The Word became, that's Jesus, so God's Word became flesh and blood, and moved into the neighborhood. Let me read that again. The Word, that's Jesus, became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. And I absolutely love this comparison. I love it. When you meet somebody new um, who moves in, it kind of starts off slow, usually. I mean, and it's the same thing with Jesus. When he moves into the neighborhood, it starts off slow. And as we get to know his heart, our heart cracks open just a little bit. And you know what happens when our heart cracks open toward Jesus? Here's what happens. This can happen if you allow it. He walks in and he rescues us. That's Jesus. Jesus is not asking us to to pick apart his message, his words. He's not asking us to take uh, uh, all of his words and and to catalog them and prioritize them in different ways and say, here's this list, here's this list. He's not asking us to do that with his words. He's not asking us to take his words and develop a list. Here are my problems I have with your words, Jesus. Here's here's where I'm having struggle uh, living your words. Here's where I don't agree with you. He's not asking us to do that with his words. Because it's not just about the words. We're not only dealing with the words. This is a real relationship. And since he moved into the neighborhood, we're actually dealing with a real person who is also completely God. This is a relationship, not just a bunch of words, 
Oh, that they are important. But it's more than words. Yes, He is inviting us to savor what He says and to savor what He does. Because of what He did, that's how we can know His heart. And once we know His heart, then we end up trusting Him more. And because we know that his heart is a heart of love and it's a heart of compassion and it's a heart of ultimate sacrifice, I can say this. If you're sick, if you're hurting, if you're tired, if you're feeling hopeless, if you're confused, if you're angry, if you're broken, then you need the good shepherd to come and rescue you and to offer you refuge. But I need to be absolutely clear on this. When we open our hearts to Jesus, we are going to discover we still have questions. We still have struggles and we still have pain and hurts and uncertainties. But as we learn to no longer distrust the heart of our shepherd, we won't run away sheepishly because we know exactly how he's going to respond and react toward us. And he proved that by dying for us. Here's a big point. When we go all in with Jesus, we are going to find life still hurt this side of heaven. But we know in spite of that, we still have a shepherd who loves us, who lays his life down and stretches it across the opening on our behalf. Yes. We know we're still a mess. And yes, we have trouble recognizing how sheepish we actually are. But we also know this. Jesus loves me. So I can trust him. And I can give myself to his care and his control like never before. And when we truly grasp that He loves us to the point of His suffering and His death, then we begin trusting Him when we are unsure of the path that we're on and that path that still has pain, but we can still trust Him, that still has hurt and uncertainty and questions, but we know we can still trust Him. Because I know at the end of the day, My Jesus is going to lay his life down at the gate for me. Here's our bottom line. If I know his heart, I can trust him when nothing else in my life is adding up. If I know his heart, I can trust him when nothing else in my life is adding up. But the only way to know his heart, in order for us to trust him more and more, 
is to know Him more and more. That's how relationship works. When we get to know Him and His heart, we will begin to trust Him. And trust is the number one element in a lasting, growing relationship. When He saw the crowd, He had compassion on them because they were confused And helpless. Like sheep. Without a shepherd. Friends. We. Are. The sheep. And like a sheep. Without a shepherd. We are confused. And we are helpless. Listen. Did I just describe parts of your life? Did I just describe your last night? Did I just describe that thing that had you crying into your pillow last week? If so, here's what we're asking of you. Here's what we want from you. Will you talk to Jesus before you go to sleep? And then will you talk to Him again and again and again this week? And I am being so literal. I mean, will you really have an actual conversation with him? Not talking to someone else about him, although that's great. We encourage you to do that. But will you actually talk to him? Another word for that is prayer. Will you talk to him and tell him, this is how I relate to those sheep that you were talking about in your word. This is how I relate to that. This is how I have been and am sometimes so often sheepish in my own life. Tell him how you have moments where you are confused. And tell him when you feel helpless in this life. Because I know this. He cares for you. And He is compassionate. You might say, well, Harley, I've been following Jesus for a long, long, long time. I'm already a Christ follower. Listen, I'm already all in. What do you want from me this week? Hey, let's be real. I still have trust issues. Don't you? I mean, that's why we keep trying to shepherd ourselves intermittently as we go through the day. We continue to still try to shepherd ourselves moments at a time, and sometimes days or weeks at a time, sometimes seasons at a time, and we do it again and again and again because we have a trust issue, shepherd over that matter. So we're encouraging you to join me. Let's talk to him. And I promise you this, he literally died to have that conversation with you. Let's pray. 
Jesus, as we learn to trust you, we acknowledge that life does not suddenly become perfect, not this side of heaven. We're still going to have questions. But even in the midst of that hurt and that uncertainty and those questions, we can trust you because you laid your life down for us. And that means you can be trusted. You are not only our shepherd, but you, Heavenly Father, you describe yourself as Daddy. And may we talk with you this week. And may the result be that we trust you more. And that that trust is growing in you, Jesus. In you, our shepherd. We ask all of these things. Amen.